Yo, what is up, everybody? It is myself and Jacob today. Brett is on vacation, living his best life, being a little Gucci girl. So Jacob and I are going to hold this down today. We are going to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Are, are they going to win the title? Is that, uh, is that a possibility? We're going to get into some coaching hires, and we're going to briefly talk about Milwaukee and Atlanta um, because when this comes out on Monday, Game 3 will uh, game three would already have been played. So let's get right into it. Jacob, let's bring you in here, man. Um, last night's game was interesting i i uh watched the entire thing that fourth quarter i i don't know if staring at paint would have been a better um there was one <laughs> point i think there was going there was like a minute and a half left and there was like a combined 15 points scored um that was brutal phoenix suns end up winning they take a commanding three to one lead we're not gonna say we're not gonna do it jacob we're not gonna say that they're already they're guaranteed going to the nba finals because we've seen what happens Chris Paul, 3-1 leads, a little joke there for those of you that don't get it, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to overreact, but in the same breath, are the Phoenix Suns going to the NBA Finals, Jacob, and are they going to win? Are they the favorite? Are they the favorite to win? Is Chris Paul finally going to get to an NBA Finals and get that coveted ring? Jacob, what have you seen from Phoenix? This is a commanding lead. Games have been close. They could have gone either way. This series could easily be 2-2. It could easily be 3-1, but it is 3-1. Phoenix Suns, what you got, Jacob? Yeah, I um just to give the listeners some idea. So it's not guaranteed Phoenix are gonna win. However, in NBA history, in seven game series, NBA history, three to one leads, the team's the record for the team is one hundred and sixty three wins and nine losses. Ooh. So, you know, it's it's not impossible. But it's like, you know, 5% chance that the Clippers do it. And if they had Kawhi, maybe I'd say, you know, anything is possible without Kawhi. I am not. I'm, yeah. For me, the Suns, they're all but guaranteed to be in the finals. But like you said, if we actually look at um, game by game, the Clippers are outscoring the Suns by three points across these four games. So this could easily be a 2-2 series. It could be 3-1 to the Clippers that's how tight a lot of these games have been. Um, so I'm not ready to just say like, yeah, the Suns are amazing. The Clippers are getting blown out by the Suns. Like this is over and done with because the other, the other issue is the Clippers in their Utah Jazz series. I made a point about this. They scored, I think it was 43% on about 37 attempts per game from three, which is like, you know, that's like having five clay thompsons out there it's ridiculous but this series they're shooting same about the 35 attempts per game they're about 34 percent. so you know it's it's night and day like this could easily if the clippers had held even some of their hot shooting from the last series this could easily be the complete opposite way and we're saying fight the clippers they're going to go to the nba finals they didn't even need Kawhi. Like we're doing, like it's it's easy to look back and say the Suns are the much better team. They're not much better than the than the Clippers. I don't think they are. Just they're getting the rub of the green, man, and that's what you need to get to the NBA Finals. That's what you need to win it all. You so do. I'm 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 in. I'm in. I, I love the Suns. You love the Suns. Like everyone loves watching this Suns team, but I worry that we're going to be like, yeah, Suns much better than the Clippers. That just hasn't been the case for me. No, it hasn't. And you look at game one, which was a week ago today. We're recording this on a Sunday. I mean, I, I think Phoenix was pretty much in hand that game. You go back to game two, um, Phoenix only won by one. It, it was 104 to 103. Paul George missed two big free throws. You know, they had the alley-oop. I mean, they, you know, Phoenix won that game with, what was it, eight-tenths of a second left on the, on the alley-oop that everyone was yeah. talking about. Shout out to my boy, Jay Crowder from Milwaukee or Marquette. Excellent pass. Probably the best pass I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then they well, come back home, they win 106-92. And then last night's game, watching that fourth quarter, I kind of made a joke about it in the open, but you know, that, that game was there for the Clippers, you know? And I'm wondering oh. how are they going to be able to recover from that? Because there was – Phoenix missed a, bus, a bunch of, of shots. The refs kind of let it be a physical game, which I personally like. I have no issue with that. I mean, it was, it was physical, I think, a lot of the time in favor of the Clippers. So I, I know – I know our dude Chap Dog. He's gonna he's gonna talk about the Cameron Payne turnover, which I mean it, it it should have been reviewed. It wasn't, but you know, not to go Jeff Van Gundy, but these reviews, Jacob. I gotta tell you, as as a father of two, 
the last two Clippers Suns games have been like almost three hours long. Like they need to do something like mm-hmm. that. It was that fourth quarter I felt like took forever, especially with with the non-scoring. Mm-hmm. I think there was actually four minutes of real basketball where there wasn't uh, a field goal or a point scored. It was it was brutal. I joked that it was 2005 basketball all over again, just brick after brick after brick after brick. It was certainly entertaining. I just don't know. In watching that game in real time, I haven't seen any of the highlights. I haven't listened to what anybody says. It seemed like Jacob, that game was there for the Clippers. Like it, it was right there. I mean, they came down and they were they were kind of they were shooting threes. Reggie Jackson, Paul George, they were kind of going for the kill shot a little bit. I thought Zubox was fantastic last night. I would have maybe tried to go go to him a little bit more, but I mean, you know, Paul George missed free throws again. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. I'm not going to sit here and and kind of kill Paul George. I think he has actually been fantastic this series except for those you know those missed free throws but other than that I mean he's been he's been kind of carrying this team on his back I mean he's looked he's looked really good what have you seen from him Jacob does this kind of you know is it is it playoff P is it not playoff P what have you seen kind of from the Clippers that that says to you that hey it is 3-1 but each game has been closed what can they do to kind of get back into this series I yeah the thing about the playoff P nickname for me I feel like it's not totally fair because, like you, like, like I agree, Paul George, he was good. He's been good for most of these playoffs. I think he's had a couple bad games, but you know, he's been. Yeah, I think he's been playing really well. Generally speaking, the problem is, I think the whole playoff P pandemic P nickname. It's become such a part of his kind of media representation now that he has to like win the finals MVP to really put that shit to bed. Like, right. you're gonna lose. Yeah, he missed a couple free throws. Giannis missed a couple free throws. You know, LeBron has missed countless fourth quarter free throws in his career, and he's one of the most clutch players in the history of the NBA. Like, people are going to focus on that with um, Paul George. It's not fair. Like you say, he has been carrying this team. His percentages have been pretty bad. Like, he's shooting, I think, 40% from the field, less than 70% on his free throws this series, which, you know, he's an 80-85% shooter from the line that's not good enough for him that's that's simple enough but it's not like he's had a lot of work to do you know he's been doing pretty much everything he can for this team um to go back to what you said earlier as well i i didn't get to see the game last night as it happened because you know these games are on at like two in the morning now for me it was good like in the first round it was nice because they were like eight o'clock at night now i'm with you Every single game is like two in the morning. Yeah, that must be. It must be still be like, you know, the games must finish for you. That game started at eight and it ended a little bit after eleven my time. I mean, it was that, and the game before was just. I mean, the um, game two. I know. I think I said something earlier when when Jay Crowder had that amazing pass. That I think the last three to four minutes of that game took like thirty five minutes in real time. It was just. Brutal. Like, I know we want to get it right. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say we plays good, we plays bad, but they have to find a way to speed some of this stuff up because it was, it was, it was just brutal. It was really brutal. (laughs) It was, it was so. I think they, they're right now we're kind of stuck in limbo because I totally agree what you said at the top of that, that, um, um, the fouling, like, it was a bitty game. Like, you know, there was lots of fouls back and forth. And I've seen, you know, fans, like you said, Chap Dog. He, I think the, I've seen, I haven't actually seen the full game. I've seen the campaign turnover. I think he's right to be really upset about that one. But overall, from what I saw, the game was, you know, there were lots of fouls on both sides. You can't really start complaining when, you know, you don't get a call. You do get a call. Both sides have like a dozen calls that they could have gotten, like in a regular season game. Maybe they get some of those calls. Maybe they don't, but you can't be worried about some of those but the campaign one was bad well yeah and, and, and here's the thing you know it, it's this stuff and you've heard me jacob say this a million times in the playoffs we've seen this we have so much evidence it comes down to mid-range jumpers and free throws right i mean mm-hmm. that, that's basically what it is you look at just in last night's game alone uh phoenix was four for 20 from three the clippers were five for 31 but then you go look at all right let's look at the free throws and if you're a clippers fan you're not going to want to hear this i mean phoenix went to the foul line 21 times they were 18 for 21 Chris Paul made clutch free throw after clutch free throw over to the other side, man. You know, the Clippers were 21 for 32. So they got to the line more and they lost mm-hmm. by four and they shot 65% from the free throw line. They missed 11, like, you know, like you, you, you make those and you know, you probably win the game. It, it's, 
it always comes down to the little things. Like, I'm sorry, but, you know, the three-point shot in Jacob, unless you're like, you know, the Golden State Warriors, like that three ball, you, you can't rely on that all the time. And you, you got to, when you get to the free throw line, you got to make, you know, the other team pay. And that's why I, I we, you and I were messaging back and forth after that game seven with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. And Giannis mm-hmm. made like seven or eight free throws in a row. And in close games like that, that's going to be the difference in the games. I, I, got, I got a question for you, though, and, and we're going to go on to Phoenix here. I, I don't want to make this too Clipper focused, but can the Clippers just come out and say if Kawhi is going to come back or not? You know, it's like, it's like he, he's sitting in the suite. He's got no emotion. If if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to see the Mike Breen when Mike Legendary. Kawhi Legend. Leonard's going nuts and he's just stone-faced. Doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> how, how Van Gundy or, or Mark Jackson didn't call Mike Breen out for that. It's just, that's hilarious in its own right. But it just, like, is this guy coming back or what? You know, because I do think if, if he was playing, I, I think this series is vastly different. But no, mm-hmm. he, he's not. So we, we I'm not going to sit here and focus on that, but. I just wish they would let us know if he was playing or not. Because is he coming back for game five? Is he not? I think the Clippers could certainly use him. I, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, do, do you do you have any any opinion on that? Or, you know, it's just Kawhi being Kawhi and the Clippers being the Clippers. Yeah, I think that um, I very much doubt he can come back this series. I said that on, I think, two pods ago when the news broke that it was an ACL sprain. I, I you know, I asked Google what Google said. They said like minimum two weeks. Then I remember some, who was it? I can't remember if it was Zach Lowe or Kevin O'Connor. Someone spoke to a player like as soon as it happened and the player, unnamed player was like, yeah, that's four to six weeks till he's right again. Oh. Like, that means that um, that like that's him out for the playoffs. But I could see if this Clippers team got to the finals somehow, I could see Paul um, Kawhi Leonard make that kind of run to try to help the team out. He might end up actually doing more harm than good. Who knows? Because uh, you know, don't play on a sprained ACL. Please yeah. don't, don't fuck, don't make it even worse, Kawhi. But I could see that you know they're holding it back to say, look, we don't know if he's gonna come back. Like it's kind of it's up to him and how he feels. I just I very much doubt he's gonna come back this series. I think that's a really bad idea. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I think it's been like less than two weeks. That sounds like a really really bad idea. So I do, I really and and we're assuming now at this point the um the Suns are all but guaranteed to go to the NBA finals. I think Kawhi's season is over. So they should probably say that, but I think cool. they just want to hold off. Just hold off for them. Like they just, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. So you you let's transition into that. Um can the Phoenix Suns Jacob, let's say they do win this um uh, there's still a game left to be played. We're not going to write off the Clippers here. I mean, I think we've all learned that. You know, they've been down 0-2, mm. I feel like, every every round this, this these playoffs. Are the Phoenix Suns going to win the NBA title, Jacob? Or let me rephrase that. Should the Phoenix Suns be the favorite to win the NBA title? Like, mathematically, yeah, they should be the favorites because they're the team that are closest to getting to the finals, which means they have, you know, they only have five games to win Whereas a team like, you know, Milwaukee still has to win seven more games. So mathematically speaking, yeah, they are the favorite the same way. Like they have been the favorite ever since they blew out Denver and they were the first team in the conference finals. Like they've had the best chance to win the title of anyone just because they've already, you know, reached that level and there's less games for them to win. If I mean like in a more general sense, yeah, I think I find it really difficult because like, we're assuming, you know, Milwaukee beats Atlanta. I mean, Milwaukee are favorites against Atlanta, but who knows what might happen. Still, I have no idea how the Suns and Milwaukee are going to match up. Like, Aiton, can Aiton stop Giannis? I mean, he's going to have a, he's going to be a real big body to throw at him. And the, the Suns have so much firepower and so much defensive ability. That's something that's really stuck out to me. Yeah. They've consistently held teams to really, really good, um, you know, they're like really low offensive ratings. Like the Clippers have been like the best offense this playoffs. Like they had a 130 offensive rating against Utah through four games. They're down to 110 against Phoenix. Like that's, that's below average for them. Whereas they were on fire against, you know, Dallas. It was like 122, then 130. So they're like this Phoenix Suns team, they can really hold teams down and their offense is, you know, it's, it's really good too. They're a really well balanced team. 
would do I think they could beat the Bucks? Yeah, I think oh, they could. We're not, yeah, not going to go there. Yeah, yeah think, it wouldn't help. No, do I think? Not, I think they would help. definitely beat Atlanta, though. I do I, think I, they I would do definitely. Too. I think it, it's it's crazy. And I saw. I'll, I'll ask you this. I mean, where does where does Chris Paul go? Like, if if he does win a title, like, does he does he go into where does he fall in Jacob's ladder if he wins a title? <laughs> so if he gets there and he doesn't win a title, I did actually look at this. So um, Chris Paul right now on. He's 36th out of 500 players on the ladder. Um, if he wins the title, he would go up to 27th. Wow. Right now. Like that. So yeah, like that's a big jump. And that would take him to, I believe, yeah, like the fourth greatest point guard, like solidified fourth greatest point guard ever wow. behind, um, Oscar, Steph and Magic. Right now he is ninth. It's really packed up there with you know Stockton, Nash, Isaiah, um, Westbrook is in there, Jason Kidd, all those guys. Like it's really tight, but Steph, uh, Chris Paul could really differentiate himself with the title. We, if he just made the finals, I'm not sure. I think he'd be fifth. I think he would. He'd be like top thirty kind of level. But like for me, Chris Paul, and you know, you've you've been there. We've been summer of CP3. Summer Chris of CP3, Paul's been, baby. He's been a first ballot Hall of Famer for like years now. Like he has been right there, like one of the great players of his generation for years, and he just hasn't gotten the props he deserves. The same way guys like you know Steve Nash. Um, I'm trying to think someone else who really, really was amazing, but just never made the final. Like Anthony Davis for a while. Like people, people knew just how amazing Anthony Davis was, but they were like, yeah. He doesn't win the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Oh, then he goes to a team where he has talent around him and he wins a title in his first year. Like, like Chris Paul has had some really bad injury luck. He's had some really bad, um, like teams around him, like that Pelicans team. Oh, I suppose they were the New Orleans Hornets back in the day where like the team basically they did like the whole trade and his two, second, third, fourth best guys end up going to Dallas and winning a title with Dirk in like Asia. Yeah. Like that's just that's just bad luck. Like there's not much he can do about that. But he has been one of the great players in the NBA for the past 15 years. So I think this it's it's more about like people who are more concerned with the Rangs culture finally catching up. Like Chris Paul finally justifying himself to those people. Like, I, I, yes, I, I agree, and it, it, it's such a great story. And I completely agree with you on. It, it, I think if Atlanta goes, and, and this is not a slight against Atlanta, but this Atlanta run, I'm curious. It, it feels like, um, you know, LeBron James when he first went to the NBA Finals with with Cleveland, where and mm-hmm. I, and I'm not that's not to discount Atlanta's supporting cast. I, I think Bogdan's been great, even though he's a little hobbled right now. But I think really yeah. Trey Young has been so spectacular in terms of his on the court play and his team just follows him. You know what I mean? Like they, mm-hmm. they feed off of, off of his energy. I mean, you, you know, it, it's been talked about at nauseum already, but I mean the, the dude fucking shimmies right before he hits that three and in, in game one against Milwaukee, like he's, he's, he's a badass man. And, and the yeah. team just, it feeds off of him. Um, I, I think that, you know, I don't think this is this is out of line saying this. I, even though I picked the Knicks, I think we all. I think I just picked the Knicks for nostalgia. Like you know, it, it's mm-hmm. cool seeing Madison Square Garden pack, but Atlanta definitely had more talent. I, I think Philly. You know, Philly blew big lead after big lead in that series. I, I think he, I even heard Daryl Morey say the other day, like he's he's just stunned that they're not even playing. That was that was just crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I do think, unfortunately, and, and shout out to Nick Smith, he's our boy, but. I think I think if it was Phoenix Atlanta, I, I think it would it would not end very well for Atlanta. I could be way wrong. I just think that you know you're seeing Atlanta Milwaukee this series, how they just do not have an answer for Giannis or Brooke Lopez specifically in Game Two. I mean Milwaukee just kind of they just pushed their will on them. And I think if if it was to be Atlanta and Phoenix, I think you just see DeAndre Ayton might have an all time NBA Finals performance. Mm-hmm. But I don't see anybody being able to stop him. It's, and it, it, it'd be cool because right on one hand it'd be Trey Young and um, Clint Capella doing their version of the pick and roll, but then it'd be like Chris Paul. Oh, hang on, young fellow, watch, watch me how I do this. And it, it'd, be, <laughs> it'd be cool to kind of see that. But I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if if they can compete with Phoenix. If it is Milwaukee, and again, we're not going to jump to conclusions. We are recording this on Sunday. Game three is tonight. 
I think Milwaukee definitely matches up better. I mean, they not only have Giannis, but they have Brooke Lopez as well. And it'd be a fascinating series to see Drew and CP3 and, and Middleton and Devin Booker. And, you know, these both of these teams are really, really good at defense too. You know, it'd be, it'd be obviously for me, you guys know my allegiance. I'm rooting for that matchup. I mean, I, I it, it'd be, it'd be a really cool finals just, just to see that, you know? Yeah, I would. That's the finals I most root for out of all of them. Cause I, like, as you know, I don't have a team. I don't really have a favorite player. Like, my favorite player really changes anytime anyone asks me the question, but I have favorite narratives and my favorite narratives in this playoffs are Giannis right now left Giannis winning his ring, justifying himself as like, you know, I'm already a first ballot hall of famer. I'm already right there. And then CP three doing it. So like, those are the two that I want to see. You know, let, let, let me ask you this, Jacob, because I, I saw this posted in the, in the overstated NBA group. And again, we're not, just want to make this clear. We're not going to sit here and preview too much of Milwaukee, Atlanta, because by the time this comes out on Monday, the game's already going to be played. And, and there's, there's really yeah. not going to be a lot for, for Jacob and I to talk about. And maybe we'll do mm-hmm. an emergency one later on tonight or something like that. But but who knows? What does this do for Giannis? Let's just say he they, they get past Atlanta. He's in the NBA Finals. He gets a ring. What does this kind of do for him? You know, I believe he is, is he 27. I want to say that he is. He would have won a title, I think, before Jordan did, before LeBron did. Yeah. And he'd already be a two-time MVP, a defensive player of the year winner. What does this kind of do for him? Because, And I want to run this by you because it seems to me, especially watching that Brooklyn series, it's all mental with him. And once he like kind of sees the ball go in and he's been to the top of that mountain, I wonder what that does for his career where it's like the burden has been lifted and now he can just go play. And, and just, you know, nothing really matters. He got his championship. And now it's like, okay – now the, the the training reels are really off. I mean, they've been off before, but now he's ready to go. So what do you think this does for Giannis if he is to, say, get to the NBA Finals and win? Yeah, like that That reminded me of the um, one of um, the key takeaways I think there was from the conference semifinals, the contrast between like Bill Sim- um, Ben Simmons, not Bill Simmons, <laughs> Ben Simmons and Giannis when they were both having, you know, these terrible free throw shooting performances is that Giannis is still just going at them. Like he is still driving to the rim. He's not trying to, he's not passing up open dunks to pass it to Matisse Thibel. He's just gunning. And that kind of, that kind of it's irrational confidence, but also like you are one of the best players in the world. Like, and you need to be really fucking confident in yourself to, you know, be better than guys like Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant and LeBron James to believe that you're better than these like goat level players. Giannis has that. And I think that if he won a title, it would just cement for him. Like I am that fucking guy. Like I am in that discussion already. Cause yeah, like I think in, to go back to my ladder, he's right now this season. Well, from last season, he's 50th, exactly 50th. And if he won a title, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but he would definitely go top 30 yeah. in there. And that's like, that's bear in mind. He's like, yeah, like I think he's actually in his age 26 season. And this thing slants towards, you know, it's it's not really for the younger players. It's more like guys like Chris Paul, guys like LeBron, where like you've been in the NBA for 10, 15 years, you've accumulated a load of counting stats, you've got, you know, 10 All-NBA teams, like Giannis has like three All-NBA teams right now. So it's like, it's kind of, if he wins a title, he is, I don't want to say he's on like top 10 trajectory, because the top 10 players ever in NBA history, that is like insane. You think like Shaq, has four rings and three finals MVPs and should have had a couple MVPs. Like the top 10 is really difficult, but there is no question that Giannis would become a top 20, top 15 player ever. And we have, I mean, people have been saying that for a long time anyway, that he is in that discussion and it would just kind of cement it. The same with, it's like an earlier version of what happened to Dirk and Hakeem and Garnett, where everyone knew that these guys are like all time, all-time level talents but for a lot of people and cp3 for a lot of people it's not justified until they get the ring if Giannis was able to get that ring earlier in his career i think it would take away quite a lot of that 
stress, a lot of that burden. And like you say, it would allow him to just play freely, play his game. And I would, I, I'd like it. Like that's probably my favorite narrative is because, you know, I, I want to see the young super duper star, you know, build this legacy, this incredible, like all time legacy. That's, I, I want to see that happen. Like I want to see Giannis do that. Me too. Me, I, well, obviously, <laughs> obviously, yeah. You. I, I, I just got. I like the, the games tonight. I'm ready to puke. I'm. I'm I've already chugged an energy drink because these games. Damn <laughs> late. Like, I'm ready to go. But let's again. We we're not going to sit here and preview game three. But how do you, Jacob? Because you weren't on last week when we did this, so I'll ask again. Let, let's say like the Bucks lose tonight and Atlanta wins. It's at home. Atlanta's rowdy. They 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 get fired up. How much do do you take away from games one and two in this series? Kind of kind of projecting going forward. I, I guess let's let's go with this. Answer that question. Then who do you see ultimately winning this series? Um, one thing I did like going forward um, from those first two games. I mean, not going forward. One thing I really did like is how quickly Bud adapted in game two. To you know, because um, Trey was getting like whatever he wanted. Brooke was just sagging off in the paint in game one game two very simple adjustment like when they're running like a high pick and roll brook is at the three-point line and then he is yeah he's dropping back but he's kind of dropping back with trey as he's going and trey is making mistakes he's turning the ball over you know if it's drew holiday who's um in the pick and roll with him as it was a lot of the time he's mixing up he's going he'll go under a screen then he'll go over a screen then he'll really like stick on tray going over the screen and other times he'll kind of drift off the screen and he'll go towards like the um the screen like if john collins is rolling he'll like shade to john collins and try to get in the way of the pass that trey wants to throw like i really liked how they were treating trey and obviously trey didn't have a great game but I think quite a lot of that is down to the Bucks' defensive scheme, really like picking up on what Atlanta wanted to do well. And like I think that even if they lose this game, because Atlanta still has a lot of firepower. Yeah. Like we've seen in this playoffs, any team can beat anyone on any given night. They can take forty threes, make twenty of them on a given night, and that's that. Like Trey, like they could easily do that. Trey could go off forty again. But I do think that the Bucks are definitely the like I don't want to say definitely, but I do think they are clearly the better team, whether yeah, they win the series or not. Yeah, and I'm glad team. you said that because it's very different being at the games. So when I when I I went to games one and two, and mm-hmm. when I was at game one, it felt like just the energy in the building from the players and the fans. It felt like Milwaukee was just going to run all over them, right? And that, yeah. I'm just telling you what it felt like. And I remember leaving that game you know, incensed at Budenholzer. And again, this is the difference between when you're at the game and then I rewatched it at home being like, hey, how does, why is Brooke Lopez dropping so far down in the painted area on their drop defense, right? Like it, it was, mm-hmm. everyone knew it coming in that Trey Young wants to shoot that floater. And yep. it, w- it was frustrating, but then you kind of look at it when, when I was watching the game, the, the recap of it, you know, Trey did whatever he wanted, but the rest of the guys on Atlanta really didn't. They were they were kind of mm-hmm. not really in the game. And then you saw the final, you know, six five six minutes in that game, and they took Brook Lopez out, and Giannis was was the five man, and he kind of came up on Trey, and everyone was going to kind of talk about how Trey. I, I believe he was one for eight when Giannis was was at that five position. But the difference is, Trey started passing the ball. I think he has four or five assists, and he got to the free throw line like eight or nine times just in yeah. that that sequence alone. And when Milwaukee did that, Milwaukee was up by eight. And what killed Milwaukee with Brooke Lopez not in the game was they couldn't get any offensive rebounds. I mean, there was that sequence there where Atlanta got three offensive rebounds before, I want to say it was John Collins, hit a three from the corner. So it was Mm -hmm. interesting seeing that, in my opinion, kind of changed. And you look at it, Chris Middleton hasn't had a good game this series yet, at least offensively. He was 0 for 9 from 3. As good and as much as everyone was talking about Trey Young in game one, rightfully so, he was phenomenal. They still only won by three. You know, it's yep. not like they 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 killed Milwaukee. Milwaukee was right there, and I was. I looked at my dad in Game One, and I said, "This Atlanta team can't guard them." I mean, I mean, Milwaukee can go in there; they can get anything that they want inside. They can get. I believe they scored over seventy points inside. And you looked at Game One. Brook Lopez only had seven points. He wasn't really dominant. And the biggest adjustment for me, Jacob, between Game One and Two was we knew Bobby Portis was going to play. We knew that the Brooklyn mm-hmm. matchup was not very good for him. But in Game Two of that series. Let's go back. Game one, 
they had Bobby Lowell, um, sorry, Bobby Portis out there with no Brook Lopez or no Giannis. And he was just at the five with no help. I thought that was a huge mistake. Go to game two. When Bud had Bobby, Bobby Portis in there, he made sure that either Giannis or Lopez was on the floor with him. And to me, that was the big difference. So where Bobby Portis could go up on Trey when they do that high screen pick and roll, but he still had weak side help from either Giannis or Lopez to get that rebound so Bobby Portis could play a little freer. We know Bobby Portis isn't going to – he's not going to kill you. <laughs> he, he's not going <laughs> to help. He's not a plus defender, let me just say that. But <laughs> to me, games one and two, and my shout-out to our king, Ryan Russillo, had a really good – I think he summed it up perfectly. Milwaukee definitely played harder. They definitely played with urgency. Like, hey, it's the playoffs. Okay, but they also made shots. You know, that, that was, to me, you know, some of these times we, we can talk adjustments all we want, but Milwaukee was 15 for 41 from three after being like 8 for 30 the game before. You know, and that's yeah. that's kind of the difference in the game in that second quarter got blown wide open. I think, you know, I, I already said, I think the Bucks are going to win this series. I, I think... I didn't know game one was going to be, you know, kind of like that. But I think just if Milwaukee plays to their strengths, especially with Bogdan hobbled, and I don't think that's getting discussed enough, Milwaukee should win mm-hmm. this series, right? I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and doubt Atlanta. I'm done doing that. Trey Young, I think, is phenomenal, and he deserves the praise he's getting. But I think if Milwaukee just plays their game, I, I think they win this. they win this comfortably. But as we've seen with the playoffs, Jacob, and you pointed out, we don't know what's going to happen. You might as well just tear up every script because nobody has any fucking clue what's happening. Yep, these teams they're too powerful. They're too like offensively powerful. Like Atlanta showed you because they've gone up against strong defensive teams. They uh they blew the doors off New York, who were a really strong defensive team but didn't really have much firepower of their own. They went up against Philly, and interestingly, across the seven games, Philly outscored Atlanta by twenty points. So it it could easily be like. I don't want to say like Atlanta reached in the conference finals, you know, it's, it, there's any asterisks there or anything because there isn't, but Atlanta aren't like one of the juggernaut teams in this playoffs for me. Like I think Brooklyn and Philly overall in these playoffs have played better than Atlanta for me. Like I like this, this could easily be Philly versus Milwaukee and Atlanta happened to win. They happened to outplay Philly in key spots win a hard seven game series and now they're up against Milwaukee, but they should, this should be the point now where they get overmatched. This should be the point. It should be because, and I agree with you because Milwaukee has that firepower as well. The mm-hmm. offensive firepower as yeah. well, where, you know, Philly basically, you know, their second best guy didn't want to shoot. As you yeah. alluded to, New York had basically no offensive firepower. Like Atlanta has nobody, nobody on that team can guard Giannis. No, no, no. There, there's nobody. And then you throw in Brooke Lopez, who, I mean, if Brooke Lopez is going to be scoring, you know, that that's that's very, very tough for Atlanta to overcome. And as I said, Drew Holiday's been fantastic this series. And as I said, you know, earlier, Chris Middleton has not had a good, a good offensive game this series yet. I think for three, he's two for 16, maybe two for 17 in both games. You, you think that that's going to change. Yeah. I'm looking forward to tonight. I think, you know, this is, it's fun, man. The, the the playoffs are fun. Do you know what else is fun, Jacob? <laughs> I don't know. What else is fun? Using Manscaped. Manscaped is a proud sponsor of this podcast. You can go to manscaped.com, type in promo code overstated, and get 20% off and free shipping off of anything. I just used Manscaped, uh, the, the Lawnmower 4.0, again the other day. I am, you guys have heard me talk about this at nauseum. I'm a big fan of the different cards that they have. If you don't want to go bald eagle, you don't want to be a little boy, you can, you can get a little manly, keep, have, keep some hair down there. It's awesome. I love it. The bald deodorant is great, Jacob. I know that you're going to be you're going to be alone this entire week. I know your uh, your fiance is going out of town. And, hey, Jacob, instead of sitting on the couch and, and smelling your balls, you're still going to use the bald deodorant because it is that good. It prevents shaping. Shout out to JL on Blow Deck Sailing. Maybe if you used some Manscaped, you wouldn't have had chafing and you wouldn't have thought it was an STD. Manscaped, 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 Manscaped. It is phenomenal. I love it, Jacob. I know you love it. Go to manscaped.com today and type in promo code overstated. Again, that's manscaped.com, promo code overstated. You get 20% off and free shipping. You cannot beat that. The ball toner, the ball deodorant, the lawnmower 4.0. It's all great products. And we here at the Overstated are proud, very proud to, uh, to have them associated with this podcast. All right, Jacob, let's let's move on from these conference finals. We do have a lot of other NBA news. It seems that the other teams 
they're moving. You know, we mm-hmm. we talked about that. Uh, depending on how that Brooklyn series went, I think the the coaching rank and file was all on hold to see kind of what happened with Milwaukee. It does appear that Bud uh, he's 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 safe for now. Although you can ask me again in a week how uh, how safe he is, but it seems like the dominoes started to fall fall. Um, the Boston Celtics. I am probably going to butcher this name, so feel free to rip me for it. I suck at names. Uh, unlike Bill Simmons, I will admit that I suck at names. They hired uh, Brooklyn assistant coach Emmy Udoka. I hope I said that right. Uh, um, I think you did. I think. I think. Yeah. Or is it Ime? So I mean, it's you tried. You tried, Steve. I you suck tried. at it. Full full. Dis- I got my hand raised. You can't see me on video. Full <laughs> disclosure. I I suck at it. But from all the reports that I've seen, he's going to be the new head coach of the Boston Celtics. And I guess Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown they they rave about this guy from him working with Team USA. Um, there was another report that he kind of bought uh, got James Harden to buy in. All of the players that that this guy comes into contact with seem to rave about him. And you know you're gonna if you're the Boston Celtics, I it's been rumored for a while that they were gonna hire a minority ex player. I actually think that this guy is is the right hire. We'll see if that translates into winning. I think this guy's gonna be good. And if you Jacob, if your two best players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, want this guy, you absolutely hire that guy. Mm-hmm. And, absolutely. And then Rick Carlisle. Uh, Rick Carlisle and Dallas, this is going to, we're going to go hand in hand here. He gets the Indiana job. He was rumored to be heavily involved in the Milwaukee job. That obviously didn't go through because Milwaukee won. How do you think Rick Carlisle is going to do in Indiana, Jacob? I think, right, I, I'm kind of weirded out by this whole hire because I'm like, you're Rick Carlisle. Like, you have a really good reputation, maybe a bit of like a prickly reputation, but you're well regarded as one of the best coaches in the league and have been for years and you're going to Indiana who are kind of they're like the definition of a solid team like this team they got good players they don't they don't have a single guy who's like yeah he's a top 20 player or like he's a top even 25 player like can you say Sabonis is a top 25 player maybe but they are like I'm sure he is going to maximize this team and like Indiana have the talent with a really strong coaching we see with like Thibodeau in New York, like if if the fit works, Indiana could be a top four seed. But I don't really see them. They're not a challenging team. Like I don't see them in the same tier of like where um, Milwaukee or Philly or Brooklyn were this year. They just don't have that that star power. Even with like you know having a great coach supporting that. I, I yeah I I'm not sure why Rick Carlisle obviously he wanted the job obviously he there's something about it that appealed to him specifically that you know I can't figure out because I'm not him well he was there just, before, he was he yeah, did he was, there before yeah. maybe maybe that's it I I agree with you Jacob and this one puzzled me from Rick Carlisle's perspective right I understand mm-hmm. why Indiana wanted to do it I mean they're getting killed for yeah. the Nick McMillan firing and he's in the conference finals and then they just basically hired this kid that nobody knew about from Toronto because everyone wants seemingly wants uh, a Nick Nurse assistant he's the he's the mm. new Sean McVay I, I guess <laughs> and it didn't work out and I think they need an adult in the room so I, I get it from Indiana's point of view but I don't get it from Rick Carlisle's point of view I, I'm with you I thought there was a couple other places that maybe appealed to him more specifically maybe yeah. New Orleans. I, I mean, because you get to work with someone like Zion. Uh, they mm-hmm. got a lot of interesting pieces there. I thought for sure he'd try to wait out for the Milwaukee job. Um, if that does become open, maybe he's thinking that it doesn't. Or maybe he just decides to take a year off and, and go from there. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it, it puzzles me from Rick Carlisle's perspective on why he would want to go there when uh, – I don't mean any disrespect for the Indiana fans, but I, mean, I don't think they're at the level that – Milwaukee, Brooklyn, we can add Atlanta to that, you know, Boston. I don't think they're that at that level at all. No. I don't even think they're at the Knicks level. You know what I that, that that it just seems it's a weird weird decision, I guess, from him, you know? Yeah, I mean Indiana for like basically not like their entire history, but for the majority of Indiana basketball history, they're they're not they're not one of the ten worst teams, but they're not really one of the ten best teams at any given moment. You know, they're like, you know, the 12th best team generally and there's there's some honor in 
being, you know, a top 15 team every year for, you know, decades. There's, I'm not going to say like, oh, Indiana, they're just a boring, terrible team. They're not. They're a good team. But that's really all they are right now. They're just a good team that, you know, they could get to the playoffs and get knocked out by a real contender. They could beat a team and get to the conference semifinals. Like, there's not much there for me. And like you say, the Pelicans have that real superstar potential. Maybe he doesn't want to work with some young stars again. Maybe he wants to go work with, you know, 26, 27, 28-year-olds in Indiana, which is where they're kind of cause-based. But then, like, what about going to Portland and working with, like, a Damian Lillard type and trying to harness that potential or, you know, getting yourself more in the running for the Boston job? Maybe Boston had already zeroed in on Ime Odoku or, you know, I, trying I, to pronounce I the name. Was, I don't think he was ever going to Boston. I don't think that was I, – I, I do think, based on the stuff that I've read and especially listening to, you know, Bill Simmons and Jackie McMullen and, and some of those other, you know, KOC, all those guys that are kind of plugged into Boston. Boston was hiring – they were going to hire a, a minority ex-player. I think that was I think that was set in stone. And I, the – I'm with you, man. Like, I think Indiana's going to be, they'll certainly be good this year, next year. I mean, they're certainly going to be in the playoffs. I think Rick Carlisle is that good of a coach, but there's no superstars on that team, though, Jacob. They're like, mm-hmm. like, who's this? Malcolm Brogdon? I don't know. It, it was confusing to me when I heard the hire. Yeah. I mean, Brogdon's, Brogdon's a good player. You know, Sabonis is a good player. Turner's a good player. TJ Warren in the bubble looked like a really good player. Like that's and Indiana, they have like um that Gogo Batadze who people have been saying could could be a really good player. Like they've they've got some good players, but you know, that's this it's not an exciting team for someone like Rick Carlisle to go to. I expected I don't know, I just I expected that he would kind of pick his moment more to go to, you know, maybe like Miami want to try something new or maybe um i'm trying to think of a team like maybe there's a shake-up in one of the top western conference teams like maybe denver and michael malone have a split and then rick carlisle jumps in there like there are i think waiting a year or milwaukee if coach bud because for me bud has to win the title or i'm i'm out uh, I, think, I think I'll even go a step further. I think even if they win the title, there's a mutual parting of ways after that. I I I I, I do. I, I think that's that's certainly possible. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I'm a little bit surprised that that he didn't want to wait a year and kind of see what else opens up because we we've seen this, you know, a couple times where a team maybe I, I think Denver's a good example. Obviously, we're not saying you and I aren't saying no. that. But we've seen too many times where you get in that off season and they just randomly decide, hey, this isn't going to work anymore, and they. They bring somebody else in, but let's the Rick Carlisle thing is interesting because I think we all saw earlier in the week on his report that he said to one of the Dallas beat writers that he thought Jason Kidd would be great for the Dallas Mavericks job. And Jacob, no oh, bullshit. Forty eight hours later, Jason Kidd is the new head coach of the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. I, um, for one, am, am, am pretty surprised on how this guy still keeps getting head coaching jobs. Um, he was. Uh, one of my favorite players growing up, I wore number five for, uh, in basketball because, I mean, he was he was my favorite player. But I, from a coaching standpoint and just uh, learning more about Jason Kidd and how every time he leaves a situation, it is not on good terms, I would say. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, Brooklyn was too happy with him. He goes to Milwaukee because one of the Milwaukee owners was his financial advisor. That did not end well at all. Um, he wanted the Phoenix Suns job. He didn't get it. He goes to LA to be the assistant coach. I think everybody thought that he was going to be the head coach in LA. LA. Yeah. Um, he kind of played the good role. And um, yeah, we, we we heard that Damian Lillard wanted him in, in Portland. Jason Kidd didn't want to go to Portland. So now he goes to Dallas and he's going to be the head coach of Luka. I am very stunned by this. I, I'd, I'd love to see what his staff is going to look like. Um, you know, I'm all about giving people second and third chances. Maybe he's evolved as a head coach and, you know, he can kind of build on something there. But I, I mean, this is this dude's third head coaching job. I, I, like I said, I'm a little, I'm very surprised by it, but I guess Jacob, mm-hmm. it's not what you know, it's who you know. And he, he's got a good relationship with Mark Cuban. I, I, like I said, what do you, what are your thoughts on Jason Kidd in Dallas? Yeah, I, I want to pick my words carefully because, 
like we can talk and I think one of the key through lines that you hit on with Boston in this coaching kind of hiring is the fact that kind of finally the minority coaching the issue around the fact there are so few minority coaches in a sport that is predominantly played the NBA predominantly played by African Americans and there was like four um black coaches like that's like that's there's there's no other way to describe that other than like that's obviously not you know that's not like the people who are best suited to the job are getting it because there is no way in a league where 80% of the players are black that only like 10% of the good coaches are black like that just that doesn't that's there's no way that makes a lick of sense so it is very encouraging to see like with Imeo Doku, um, Jason Kidd, Chauncey, um, <clears throat> I'm forgetting the name. I remember there's someone else um, who is Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, who's getting oh, he get a love run. Yeah, like this. I think I think it's great for the league. I, I do, and I, I could not agree with you more. I, I think it's fantastic. But I, I want it's you fantastic because I, I think I think um, I know what you're going to say here. It's fantastic, but it's not like. I mean, Jason Kidd, we can talk about his history, you know, his, like, for me, I'm out on him as a person just because his history is like a decade long. And we know, we all know at this point what it is. Like, I'm I'm out on Jason Kidd. That all being said, he's not a good coach. <clears throat> like, there's no world in which you can argue Jason Kidd is a good NBA coach his what he did in Milwaukee, his defensive schemes are ancient. His offensive schemes are hold on. <coughs> nice cough, cough, baby. Nice cough. <laughs> Edit that out, Brett. Fucking hell. What was I saying? Like his, his defensive, defensive schemes. schemes. His defensive schemes are ancient. His offensive schemes. He was telling Thom Maker not to shoot threes for fuck's sake. He was telling Giannis like, not to shoot threes. It would do. I don't even. I don't want to talk about that. That's just going to get me fired up again. Uh, like it, there's, we, we're seeing with guys like Imeo Doku, guys like Sam Cassell, and I'm sure like I'm not you know an expert on the coaching staffs around the league. I'm sure there are dozens of African American coaches who deserve shots to be NBA coaches. Why are we going back to Jason Kidd? to be an NBA coach when we well, know, know he's was, not was, good. And I was thinking about this too. You, you know, I know that there's a lot of stuff that has come out about Mark Jackson. How has Mark Jackson not gotten oh, a, another job? You know, and he, you look at, I mean, I think outside of Draymond Green, every other Golden State Warrior on that team has credited him and probably Andrew Bogut with, with his kind of setting the foundation up for, you know, the defensive philosophy. You look at, Mark Jackson, look at Sam Cassell, look at Darvin Ham, look at all of these other people that have been who is the 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 assistant coach? Is it Jamal Mosley? Is that is that his name? Yes. That, yes who, in was, Dallas. who was supposed to yes. be the front runner and now he's out. And it's just like I'm with you. I, I for me it is strictly that Jason Kidd is not a good coach. He he's I have not yet to see anything that says that he is a, a good coach. Um, you know, you look at, I don't think it's a surprise, Jacob, that yes, he sets the defensive foundation in Milwaukee. I, I give him credit for that, but other teams also figured it out the next year. You know what I mean? Like they figured mm-hmm. it out. He didn't adjust. Joe Prunty was the one that was, that was dialing up the plays. Sean Sweeney is the guy that worked with Giannis 24 seven. I don't think it's a surprise that they brought in a new coach and it, for all the shit that Bud takes, and some of it is is right, a lot of it isn't. But look at how much better of a coach Mike Budenholzer is than Jason Kidd. It's not a surprise mm-hmm. that the Bucks are in. Oh, by the way, their second Eastern Conference Finals in the last three years, right? It's it's mm-hmm. not a surprise that this team took off when they had a coach that actually offensively and defensively knew what he was doing. I don't understand this from Dallas's point of view. Again, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Luca. I don't know if Luca has endorsed this or if this is what who Luca wanted. It is just bizarre. And then you throw in, you know, the the sexual assault thing that happened with Jason Kidd years ago when he was in Phoenix. And I'm all about giving people second chances, but for that franchise that the Dallas Mavericks that have been rocked by sexual assault mm-hmm. stuff and shady things going on in their organization, to hire that guy outside of the coaching stuff, it's just 
I'm surprised by it is all I'm going to say. I, I don't know what else I can say. I'd love to hear. I mean, they're going to get asked it in their press conference um, sometime this week. I'm just, I'm, I want to know what Mark Cuban has to say. It's just, there's, I have a lot of, a lot more questions that uh, I don't have any answers to when it comes to that. No, that's, that's one of the other things that, yes, I totally agree. I think there's a real conversation, second chances, third chances of people, people, you hope change, especially in like a 20, 30 year span. You certainly hope Jason Kidd is not the same person he was 20 years ago in any kind of respect, like the same way you or I are not the same person we were 10, 15 years ago and not, we're not the same people we will be in 10, 15 years. But like you say, the Dallas Mavericks so recently have these really like serious allegations about toxic work, workplace environments for women and for Mark Cuban then to say, yeah, this guy with the history that he has, he's going to be the kind of the coaching face of our franchise. Like that, what message does that send to the women that work in the Mavericks organization? What message does that send to the wider public about what matters to Mark Cuban? Like it's, it's to me, that's a real PR disaster it is, it and, is. and I, i'm going to like i said i i want to hear what they have to say it doesn't look good and then you throw in jacob you throw in from the basketball side you you've got the Haralabob, donnie nelson's out then they bring in this guy from nike to run the, the basketball opera it's just i have no mm-hmm. idea what dallas is doing i really don't and this has been about as rough couple of weeks on the court and off the court from a team that i can remember it just seems like it's one piece after the other that's coming out. And I, I like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing what Mark Cuban is going to have to say on this. I think the introductory press conference, I want to say it's Tuesday. I might be off on that, but it just seems very bizarre. I, I think that they hired the Nike guy. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I don't have his name in, in front of me. I think his name's Nico. But, but that's worked. Uh, we all know like that's worked before for Dallas. Uh, it just <laughs> the entire situation is weird. Um, Jacob, let's kind of end it with this. Let's let's go to Portland. Um, mm-hmm. nothing's been official yet. Um, but it, all signs are pointing to that Chauncey Billups is going to get that job. Um, mm-hmm. We you know we have to talk about it. Um, just yeah. in the last couple of days, um, Chauncey Billups about twenty plus years ago, there was a, a some things to do with sexual assault. Um, it, it, it was it was widely known throughout the NBA, but the, really the details really just came out within the last couple of days, which illustrated you can go, you can go find it there. Um, Portland right now is receiving a, a ton of backlash for this hire um, to be fair. Cha- I have, no one has heard from Chauncey Billups on this. Um, no one has heard from the Portland trail. I think Neil O'Shea had a comment where he said he, he wasn't going to discuss it. Um, again, Chauncey Billups mm-hmm. is not officially to have the head coaching job. All signs are pointing to that. That is, going to be the case um again i want to be fair to chauncey we have not heard from chauncey billups yet that report though again you can go find it on si.com came out with it it is it's very tough to read um Mm -hmm. very very tough and like i said i it's it's yeah it's it's one of those things so jacob why don't you give me your opinion uh kind of kind of off the court on the chauncey billups thing and if it does go through on the court, how that helps Brooklyn. I know that I put you in a tough spot there, but you know, we, we, we gotta, <laughs> I mean, we got to talk about, it. we'd be, we'd be, we'd be not doing our job to our listeners if we just kind of glossed over that part, you know? No, I, I totally agree. I totally, totally agree. Um, so this as well, I, I don't know about yourself, but this is something that I only found out about in the last, I think two weeks. I found out about this because like you say, it happened in 1997 and this is, um, so I'm like reading what it said, like like you said, it's really tough. Like, you know, like the best way I can describe it, someone doesn't know, basically Chauncey at Antoine Walker's house, Chauncey Billups, Ron Mercer, and another man sexually assaulted a woman and she filed a report and the police said that the report she filed was consistent with the body injuries that they found on her body and when they used a rape kit on her. So it's, it's really, really damning on Chauncey. I mean, like we say, it's 1997. It's a long time ago. You hope Chauncey is different now, but that doesn't really change the fact that it happened. So like on the, like 
I I think there's a larger I'm in a tough spot there, man. I, 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 I I'm sorry, like I you know, like I said, man. We... No, no, but it has to. We need to speak about it. I mean, it's been spoken about in the group ad nauseum for the past um, couple days. It's it's one of those things. Like I think there is a larger discussion to be had about things like this. Like say, let's say Chauncey. Like the one of the defenses is it went to civil court. The issue is that rape is very, very hard to prove. Like it ultimately boils down to he say, she say, because there's, unless you're caught red handed, so, so to say, it's very hard for someone to prove because obviously no one's going to admit to it, but you know, there's not really much direct evidence for it. So it generally ends up in a civil court case because then there isn't, the burden of proof is lower. There isn't the um, trial by like, um, jury of your peers, all this stuff, at least then there can be some kind of compensation for it. And they did settle. The larger issue is at what point do we as a society say you have paid your debt? Can we as a society say, yes, you have paid your debt or can we not? And if we say there is no way that Chauncey can ever, you know, repay what happened, assuming it did happen, it seems to me, it seems very, very likely this did happen. Assuming we say that, what are we doing here if we're saying there's no way for him to, you know, atone for what happened? Like, if we don't think, if you think there's no way for him to atone, then why aren't these people, why don't we lock up every rapist for their entire life? And if it's the other way, if we think there is a way to atone, then what is that way? Like, it's a, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a moral philosopher. So I don't know what the answer is. I just think it's interesting when some people say, yes, um, you know, people pay their dues, they atone, and other people are like, I would never, I never want to work with this person again. Like we as a society don't have these kind of set rules. And it really, I think this, what this whole thing is about, it throws up a lot of these questions where there aren't right and wrong answers. I mean, we know what's wrong here. We know what should happen, but yeah, there's just there's a lot to it. Well, I think, but, and, I, and I think just based on conversations and, and just looking on the internet and in our Facebook group as well, you know, I'm not at all saying that that this the, if this is true, it's really bad. It, 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 it's mm-hmm. really bad for Chauncey again. I, I, I'm not. Um, I don't want to ignore that fact that we have yet to hear from Chauncey Billups on any of this. You know, I, I don't want mm-hmm. to. I, I want to hear what he has to say. And I, I say that with, I mean, it, it, it's, it's pretty bad. You know, let, let's just be honest here. It, it's pretty bad. I think that a lot of the issue though, that people have with this is, you know, Chauncey Billups, you know, Mr. Big Shot was the MVP. He worked at Disney. He worked for ESPN. He worked for, mm-hmm. you know, the Clippers and not one person ever brought this up. And it seems like it just got brought up in, in within the last 48 hours. And that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be brought up. I'm not saying that at all. But where was this, you know, in the last 15 years? You know what I mean? Like I said, it mm-hmm. was – I don't want to say it was – I know that the details just came out. But, I mean, you could – a simple Google search of Chauncey Billups would tell you that, you know, there was some sexual assault that happened early on in his career when he was with the Boston Celtics. And it, it, it's just – I think that's what, to me, how I interpret it is, is a lot of people are having a hard time with is – Chauncey Billups was a guy that they idolized and now these these reports come out and I think there's a lot of people that are like well what do we do and like I said mm-hmm. from the top I mean if, if if this is true and again I urge you to go read that article it it, it, it paints him in a very bad light if this is true and again it was similar to you know the Dallas Mavericks obviously the Jason Kidd thing is a little bit different because Jason Kidd was charged with that and, and there's more that was pretty public. This just became public within the last 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I want to hear from Chauncey Billups, you know, if, if this goes through, whether, um, you know, Portland pulls their offer or whatnot, I want to hear what Chauncey Billups has to say. And I think as the reporters should, should ask him those tough questions. Like we, we, we need to hear some answers on this. And I, I'm sure that you kind of, kind of feel the same way about that. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, I think the last 48 to 72 hours have been like, what? He, you know, like Chauncey Billups, the guy, I mean, he's, you know, a family guy, all that stuff. And it's just kind of like, wow. And he needs, he needs the answer for that, man. And I, I, for one, want to know what he has to say about all this stuff, you know? 
I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. The other thing is like when we are doing this, there needs to be more than this because I think it's good to bring this stuff forward. No matter the time period, it's good that this stuff comes forward. But there also is the fact that what about Luke Walton? Like Luke Walton was accused two years ago of um, sexually assaulting a woman that he worked with um, when he was like in sports broadcasting. It was when he was with so Golden, like when he was with an assistant with Golden State, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah. She yeah she worked at the sports broadcaster. I can't remember what the name of it was, but yes. And Luke Walton is not asked these questions, and there hasn't been a reckoning for him in regards to it. So I, so at the same time, I do see how like maybe um, a black man, a black woman, can look at this and say this is another issue. One word that was thrown around is railroading, where this is another issue where you know we're holding this black man who's being successful kind of we are trying to railroad his career trying to destroy his life like i i understand that in the sense that where is this for luke walton luke walton had the same thing brought against him it ended up the case ended up being dropped because of lack of evidence which like i say that happens all the time rape is very difficult to prove it's just a he say she say issue but luke walton doesn't have to face these issues there is no backlash in Sacramento Twitter, as far as I'm aware, not publicly at least, for Luke Walton. Well, so it's, yeah, like... I, I, I agree with you, but I also think, though, it, it's more so of... I agree with you, and I don't want to downplay the Luke Walton aspect of it, but I think it's more so of how the public looks at individuals. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really want to go too much into it because I it's just... <laughs> look at Kobe Bryant. Right. I think I think Kobe Bryant is probably the best one, the best example of this, where, you know, you have ESPN basically fawning over him. Oh, he can change. He can, and you look at Chauncey Billups the same way. Like I said, these people at ESPN and these reporters, they are in the media. They knew about this stuff. Like I said, this stuff wasn't again. The details just came out. But this was people you could like I said, you could uh, uh, three weeks ago, a month ago, six months ago. You could have Googled Chauncey Billups and seen that there was some sexual assault stuff that went on 20 years ago. Now, you couldn't have probably known the details, but this isn't like this just came out of nowhere. And I think that there's a lot of people, though, Jacob, that I think like to play. They like to jump on bandwagons. And you are definitely not one of those. But I saw the same people, same people in our group that were killing Chauncey Billups Six months ago, we're saying that the NFL was racist because they didn't hire Eric Bieniemy. When Eric Bieniemy choked a female and punched her, where's the outrage for that? And I think that there's a lot of people that love to play sides here and love to, oh well, we're going to excuse this one, but we're gonna we're gonna do on this one. And I think that's where a lot of the stuff that that at least that I was reading, it kind of came from some of that stuff. And again, the report is is go look at. I urge people to go look at it, kind of form your own opinion on it. And I want Chauncey Billups needs to answer for this. Whether he gets this job or not, he needs to answer for this. And I, I want to hear some answers on what what happened. And I think that, you know, we, we need to hear that. And I, I guess I really don't have anything more to add. I mean, if, if Chauncey Billups is mm-hmm. going to become the head coach or not, I, I think that we can we can have that discussion. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's where I'm at with it, Jacob. I, I just it, – yeah. it's all this kind of – a lot of new details came out in the last 48 hours. Mm-hmm. No, and I think you make a very good point that as much as we aim the outrage at Chauncey for what he did and, you know, we that we assume he did. I mean, I th- I think there's there's enough evidence for me to be convinced. And I generally, generally speaking, like, especially when there is evidence, I think the default position should be that you believe someone when they say they have been assaulted, especially the history, the whole, the context of, you know, violence against women. However, I think you make, a, to add to that, I think you make a very good point that the executives at Disney, the executives at Portland, you're the ones employing him. Like we would not, if we were employing someone at the overstated, we would want to do a background search. Like we would want to know, like there's nothing shady in your past like if we were a multi-million dollar media conglomerate 
you do due diligence and, and on the that, person. And that's where, again, I'm not excuse. I don't want to act like I'm, I'm excusing Chong. I think, though, if I had to guess, though, Jacob, that's where a lot of this outrage is coming from, where it's like, hold up. You know, this guy was, you know, one of finals MVP, beloved in Detroit. Um, he, he, he's literally works in broadcast. Mm-hmm. He gets offered the job to run the Cleveland Cavaliers, turns it down. He's a Lakers assistant coach, works for ESPN, is on that mm-hmm. same, when he, when he's uh, on the jump, he's on that same panel with Rachel Nichols. You're telling mm-hmm. me that none of these people knew about this and it comes out, you know, when he's, you know, in line to be a front runner for the coaching job. I think that is where people have a problem. And I, I do, I, again, if, because you do something 20 years ago, I don't think it, it excuses it. Like I, I saw your comment yesterday and I know you and I were talking off air, like he needs to you know, be held accountable for this. But I think though it is, it, that's where people are having the biggest issue. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's fair that, you know, the, the issue isn't, it's not so much, it is obviously what what he did, blah, blah, blah. Like we've spoken already about that. The issue is though, assuming that stuff is true these large corporations are then empowering this person who has done something terrible. And that is where a lot of outrage should happen. That's where, you know, we as consumers, we as people who are engaging with the product they're putting out, this is where, you know, we, that's where the power comes from to say that, you know, this is like, this breaks us as consumers. We don't want to consume this kind of content where you're putting, you know, people who have these histories in front of us, you're putting them in positions of power, especially positions of power in, because, you know, there are women that work for the Portland Trailblazers. There'll be women that work under Chauncey Billups. You know, I wouldn't want to work with someone, if I was a woman, who had sexually assaulted women in their past. Like, and I don't think anyone should be put in that position. But that's the position that the executives at Portland, the executives at Disney are doing. So there has to be something towards them as well. Like it's it's not just that Chauncey did this or didn't do this. It's that he's being empowered by very large companies that should know better. Yep, I agree. I agree, and I, I think uh, you know we'll uh, we'll end with that. Um, appreciate everyone yeah. listening. I know we kind of got a little bit serious at the end, but uh, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't cover it. I mean, obviously, I, I have a feeling. You know, we're, there's going to be more to discuss about this. This is this is a story that I don't think is going to go away. And you know, I I want to hear from Chauncey Billups's point of view. You know, I, I want to, like I said, that report is it's a tough report to read. But you know, you know, and I I don't want to, you know, similar to you, I want to hear what Chauncey Billups has to say. And I want to, I want I want reporters to actually ask him these questions, and I want him to answer it. And you know, we'll uh, we'll go from there. But mm-hmm. all right. On a positive note, Jacob, that is going to do it for us. This was a great podcast. As always, I love it when I'm hanging out with my red coat British brother. Derek <laughs> um, <laughs> Michael was love supposed you, to be on today, but I think he just said fuck it and said I'm going to go do something else. So, I mean, you know, oh, whatever. Fuck that guy. Oh, yeah, fuck, fuck him. Derek, he could have, could, have, could have joined us this time. But that's going to do it for us. Hopefully <laughs> when this drops on Monday, the Milwaukee Bucks will be up 2-1, baby. Let's go, baby. It's game day. I just had the Rocks energy drink. If they Zoa, if they want to sponsor us, they can because I feel great. I was uh, tired of shit before we recorded, but now I'm ready to go. Um, let's go, Jacob. We got uh, it's basketballs on every other night, baby. Let's go. So for myself and Jacob, we are going to get out of here. Peace.